the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Welcome in, Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black. Can I say happy holidays? Tired of uh, the holidays yet? 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. One of the most... I, I, I talk about wealth. I try to get you to... Ha- I, I, I want to create wealth. Um, that's a big thought of mine. I think CFP Chad Burton does a great job of managing wealth. So I look at my job as getting people motivated from age 20 to 60. Um... Most Americans don't have a ton of cash floating around. I think that's a pretty big theme. I get a little overwhelmed. and I don't know if this is psychological. And One of the reasons I do this show is because it's cathartic. Um, that's easy for me to say, right? Um, when I go to like a Raiders game or a Barracuda game or a concert, I look around and I see people. And I'm like, what the heck? How are all these people throwing this kind of money around? Um, and it depresses me because I've got money and I don't throw it around. But see, I have a psycho- I, I have that. I lived through the 1920s, 1930s stock market crash syndrome, even though I didn't live through the 1920s, 1930s stock market crash syndrome. Um, I've got a family member who uh, he did. He's dead now, but. You know, he came west at a time and he bought a farm and he grew avocados and on that farm was oil and he put an oil well on it and worked his whole life. And uh, every year for Christmas, he'd get pajamas for his wife and she would look at him like the luckiest woman on the planet. She got a new pair of pajamas. So ultimately leaves about eight million, nine million dollars to three relatives, a farm that decision got made to sell it for condos. So his whole life's work, 50, 60 years, gone just like that. The oil well, when oil was at 150, could have been sold for a mint. Oh, they decided to sell it when oil's at 30. So I believe that I'm a wealth creator, and I don't want to lose wealth. And it's psychologically, it's, it's a pretty big thing. So most Americans don't have a lot of money sitting around. And I think, you know, one of the things you could do is slowly invest in 401ks. That's great. Slowly invest in Roth IRAs. Slowly invest in emergency savings. You should have two to six months sitting on the side. Buying a home means taking out a mortgage for most people. But listen to this. New data shows that 28.8% of homes purchased last year, or this year, rather, were made without any debt being incurred. 28.8% buying a home with cash is the most common for the least in the most expensive homes rather than those in the middle. So buying a home with cash is most common for the least and most expensive homes. The way Americans are buying homes is changing. Low-cost homes, those under 100000 are bought with cash 63% of the time. 
On the other side, 49% of homes priced $2 million or more are bought with cash, which can result in a luxurious lifestyle. So the people in the middle can't buy a home in cat with cash. The middle class does not have enough savings and or they're pursuing or enough desire to pursue a home to buy with cash. Tony Mendez, BayAreaLoanSource.com. The way Americans are buying homes is changing. Um, it's funny because I'm putting together financing to buy another home. And I'm, I'm trying to go as much cash as possible. I'm, I'm trying to go as low debt as possible. Uh, because I like to plan for worst case scenarios. Uh, most people don't, but I do. So what are your thoughts on what I've been throwing out there? Well, I think people have a, a set budget on how much they want to spend every month. And if they have the, they, they kind of set that cash, if it's $100,000 or $2 million, it's $2 million and they, they want a $3,000 payment a month. So they get a $500,000 loan, 300, that's $3,000 a month approximately. And they put the rest down. So it's two and a half million dollars they can buy. So I think it's just, uh, it's, it's, it's what you can afford. You keep that monthly payment and, and, um, if you have the the total amount, you know, and that two million dollars buys what you need, you know, who knows? But there, you know, the lower end is a little bit easier to explain. I mean, a hundred thousand dollars. I think a lot of people uh, around here um, may go, okay, well, I I can get a hundred thousand dollar equity line like that. And uh, I have a cousin that lives in you know, Raleigh, North Carolina, and he's talking about a $100,000 house over here that da, 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 next thing you know, you're buying it in cash and you have another real piece of real estate and that $100,000 is making a rate of return of X dollar amount. Maybe it's 10% a year and you get some write-offs and you, you may build some equity, but it's, um, you, you may go that $100,000 cost me only 200000 to buy it. And I'm getting, you know, it's like, I think there's a lot of equity exchange going on right now. Um, and it's starting to uh, hit these smaller towns, Rob, where you can, you could easily say, oh, you could pull out a hundred thousand dollars or a hundred, 200,000 and buy a house free and clear somewhere else. Um, and that's, what's happening. Uh, we, we are becoming on the lower end. I think it's a lot of investing, a lot of investors doing it on the high end. I, I don't, I can't comprehend somebody buying a $13 million house in cash. That just doesn't resonate with me. So we live in one of the biggest areas, one of the biggest cities, multiple cities in the world. Um, and I think there's a trend going on that you, you either jump in and believe or you don't. And like I said in the first hour, you know, my, my drive on 101 is getting discouraging because I'm seeing nothing but hotels and, see, and single uh, apartments go up. Um, condos, kind of, a little bit, but more apartments than uh, single family homes. The single family home is dying in America, in my opinion. It's it's not going to happen immediately. It may appear that way, but in fact, the 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 average sized home has actually been increasing over the last twenty thirty years, and it still increases every year. And I mean, there's a piece of paper in front of you that says more bathrooms in houses. I mean, there's there's uh, homes are getting bigger, but we're we're stuck in this this area, this metropolitan statistical area. Sorry, it's hard to say. Uh, that has a bunch of cities and we're crammed in, you know, some mountains and you have to go farther out to find a single family house. So people have that mindset that, um, you, we are shrinking as far as home size here in the Bay area, but not the rest of the nation. I think, I think it, it, it won't happen in my lifetime, but right now in San Francisco, uh, single family homes make about 90% of the, the homes. And I, I think that number goes down and down and down and down, uh, from here, not up and up and up and up. The modern household no longer comprises dad and mom and two and a half kids and a dog. Uh, now we're saying we can't do a dog. We're slowly losing well, the two and a half kids. We, Millennials are living with mom and dad. This is my favorite client of the year. Okay. He owns a condo in San Francisco 
and it's done well. I mean, you know, he has a decent mortgage on it. He's payment. He's making his wife and him make pretty decent money. Uh, but they can't have family events. They can't do Christmas, Thanksgiving. They can't do birthday parties without cramming a bunch of people in there. Not only that, it's hard to get into the city. There's no parking and, and so on. So he went and bought a second home in Sacramento that has a four-car garage. He has a, it's a 2,400-square-foot house. It's closer to his family. It's closer to all the hiking and biking and skiing and 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 whatever else that he wants, fishing, whatever he, he wants to do. And that's kind of his base of operation. So I think you, you know, the whole second home, that, that getaway home, is is another angle that Californians they they, they have their work house San sure. Francisco or some part of the Bay Area it doesn't have to be huge but they can go somewhere else and buy a second home and possibly rent it out and you know when they're not there I'm 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 kind of borderline what I should and should not say about how to buy a second home but it's an interesting idea about doing that I think housing's changing yeah and I think for the way people think about housing is changing yeah I think the way millennials who are the buyers who should be the buyers they would be if we were, if we believe that the single family home is the future you would see it in the millennials and right now you're not seeing it in the millennials so i'm rob black talking all things financial money investing and more find me online at robblackshow.com find tony mendez at bayarealonesource.com want the podcast with music find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to rob black's twitter his handle is at rob black show listen to rob black and your money weekday mornings seven to nine on am 1220 kdow i'm rob black talking money investing and more anything you want to talk about we could talk about talking a lot of real estate right now and tony and i don't agree on everything that we say um so that's important to note. You're going to see real estate agents have different opinions than mortgage lenders who have different opinions than investment advisors. Um, and that's okay. I look at the affordability of housing as it's a cost of life. And I want you to have enough left over so that you can save for retirement. Uh, home prices have increased in 92% of the largest 177 metro areas in the third quarter of 2017. Incomes aren't keeping up with home prices. I think that's a true statement. When you take a look at what the average American made 20 years ago versus what the average American makes today, and you take a look at home prices, it's creating a problem. The salary needed to qualify for the top five metro areas, four of which are located in California, exceeds $110,000. Realistically, I feel that my city, San Carlos, has become Palo Alto North on some levels. But what's really happened is is that there's no more places to build in San Francisco. So they're saying, let's take a look around. Where can we build? San Carlos is cute. Let's see if we can't get a land deal with their mayor and their city council. And the, uh, the supervisor's like, well, sure, we'll open up the train tracks for you. You could have the train tracks. No doubt you could have the train tracks. You could build condos right there. But we want a million dollars. We want a million dollars for our schools. And the developer's like, <laughs> deal done. They're happy to do it. They're happy to do it. And that, that's what I'm seeing, what's happening. Thoughts, Tony? No one in their right mind would build on train tracks. It is right next to train tracks, by the way. Like, literally right next to the train tracks. I've lived next to a train, and it's um, it's pretty loud. I live two miles from a train right now, and, it, it, and you can hear it all night. It's awful. You know what I can but, hear from my home? Um, ships at night. You hear ships in yeah. San Carlos? Yeah, isn't that crazy? Yeah, that's that's what I get every. I, I live by the estuary in Oakland Estuary, and I hear that every. I night. hear it. It's okay. nonstop. 
for me, but uh, living in the bay. <laughs> uh, yeah. You, you, on train tracks a couple years ago you were looking for a home in the bay area and you're like i found this great place but it's right next to the train tracks developers are going to look for every piece of land they can um what's funny is you can come out to places like fremont and see big open lots um and you know those will eventually be filled in right um and when there's and there is demand uh, and a developer eventually build on it i think maybe the land the owners are holding on for more money who knows um, when is it too much money? Um, I, d- I don't know, but uh, I, I, why would you put single family houses there when you can put 60 condos that you can sell at $800,000 each? It's like, what, why would you put a single family house there for 1.5? Yeah. You know? I just, I see problems developing because I have children and I keep thinking, will my kids ever be able to afford the home that I did? And the answer is no, not in a big city. They can go to Coeur d'Alene. And do it. But then again, the jobs in Coeur d'Alene aren't going to be big tech jobs. So if big tech jobs stay in the big cities, we're screwed as a nation as far as attracting young talent. Or young talent's going to be living in I mean, as long as the the companies uh, recognize this as an issue and they go to places like the Reno's and the San Antonio's and the Portland's. And Portland may be overpriced right now. but we'll, we'll see how that plays out. But as long as the cities recognize it and they start saying, this is where the talent we need, instead of flying 20 lawyers to from Houston to San Francisco, like that firm is doing, right. they're going to actually say, well, let's move our office there or let's move our headquarters there. And so our employees can live in um, and work in the same city. And we're seeing this all over the United States right now. Yeah. Um, you just went through a list of the top 10 places where millennials are moving and they're fantastic places. Um, Grand Rapids, Grand Rapids, Michigan, Nashville, um, uh, Houston, uh, I'm sorry, Austin, Mr. El- Memphis, El- Raleigh, Memphis, Raleigh. Yeah. Uh, and these aren't big they, they aren't huge cities, but they're decent sized cities with a good infrastructure. And I think that a company will start, companies will start recognizing that and, and start making the move. We, we, we have to put people somewhere and we have to keep jobs growing. And, um, and not only that, Rob, guess what else is in those cities? Single family homes. And that's what, that's what, if, I mean, we're still humans. We're still going to end up with families and we still want and desire families. And we want a single family home to raise our, our family and have family events and not have to buy a second home to um, have a Thanksgiving or a Christmas. So um, like people here are doing, do you remember when you were a kid? And you'd see, like, uh, one of your friends would move to a golf course. He'd live on a golf course. I'm like, do you remember how desirable golf course houses were? Yeah. You have yeah. a house on a golf course. Uh, you do. It's yeah, on yeah, the third, yeah, yeah. third hole. Yeah, yeah. So, do you remember how, like, that was a status symbol? Yeah. Today, do you know what the status symbol is? It's called agrihoods. So, moving close to a community farm. So, you can do farm to the table uh, with your fruits and vegetables. So, if you have money now... You move into an agrihood. Fun term, isn't it? Um, so real estate, devi- real estate development, real estate develop uh, ideas. So if we can turn the, our golf courses, like the, the, the house that I have on a golf course, if they were to turn that into an olive garden, uh, olive tree garden, is that what you call it? Grove, olive tree grove, the value would go up. The golf course, not so much. So I'm not saying golfing is dying. Now that Tiger Woods is back, maybe it picks back up a little bit. But golf courses are dying. 
So they're going dormant and dead. And what's interesting is one of the, the most pompous people I know, and I mean this as a compliment to a Mark Dannon, moved to Scottsdale, Arizona so he can golf. Um, his kid can golf, his wife can golf. He, he wants to golf. That's his thing. But I think that that idea is dying at this point in time. Um, yeah, so Rancho Mission Viejo, a development company based in Southern California, trademarked the term agrihood in 2014. So sustainable living to drive uh, youths to buy homes there. If the youths make money. Because it ain't cheap to have all that land being developed for farming stuff. So that's where your kid, that's where his dream may be. So yours might have been on a golf course. Thoughts? Um, I don't think I'd live on a golf course. I'd live near a golf course. Um, I, I don't need an agrihood. Okay. Uh, I, I like my single family house. I like the neighborhood. And I like raising a family in a single family house uh, with the amenities that I have. You know, um, we're, we're forgetting the fact that there are some very, very, a lot of very nice neighborhoods in the Bay Area. Uh, and there's a lot of nice single-family homes. Those are the ones that are desirable, and they are going to get top dollar. And they're the, the homes that are uh, going up and up and up in home prices. Um, finding them is the hard part, and nobody's selling right now. Our inventory is anemic, and uh, over-asking price, multiple offers. The, the, the story continues, and it, I think it's going to continue through t- 2018. It's the affordable housing which we're lacking. Sounds good. So it's the same story. It's Tony Mendez. You can find him at BayAreaLoanSource.com. Catch Rob Black and Rob Black and Your Money live on the Bay Area Airwaves. Weekday mornings from 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. And streaming live on the KDOW radio app or KDOW.biz. And don't forget the weeknight replay at 7. Welcome back in. Rob Black and Your Money. I'm Rob Black talking money, investing, and more. You know what's funky about real estate? And this is what's funky to me. Um, it's just the thought, and go with me for just a second before you, you jump off the bandwagon here, ladies and gentlemen, is if you buy $500,000 of Apple, you see $500,000 of Apple, and you're like, okay, I got it. I, I see how much shares that is. But if you buy $500,000 of a house in New York City, you get 550 square feet. If you buy $500,000 of real estate in Los Angeles, you get 871 square feet. The price per square footage differs like golden clay. And it, it brings in the, the idea of arguments. Like, I was in Lafayette a couple weeks ago. Uh, I went to Davis and I drove through Lafayette. And I was like, wow, I wonder how much these homes are. And I was surprised at how much you can get for $1.5 million versus what you can get on the peninsula for $1.5 million. And then you go to Dallas, you get 2,500 square feet for $500,000. In Houston, you get 1,500 square feet. So Dallas is a lot more square footage than Houston, price per square foot. No, no, Dallas, well, yeah, Dallas is cheaper than Houston by a lot. And in your head, wouldn't you think Dallas is more than Houston? Like, it's a little funky concept to wrap your head around of how much home you can get in Miami um, versus San Francisco versus L.A. versus Houston versus Dallas versus... Uh, all these cities are, are massively different. Um, in Boston, $500,000 doesn't get you much. It gets about 400 square feet apartment. In San Francisco, about 300 square feet. You, you skipped Atlanta. It was 2,600 square feet for 500. Yeah. Like, there's some pretty big differences out there, huh? And they're beautiful homes. Deep in the heart of Texas. Yeah, this is one of my favorite scenes in Pee Wee's Big Adventure. Is why 
at some point in time, he's in Texas, and uh, he, he says Texas, and like 20 Texans chant and sing the song for him. Uh, one of my favorite movies of all time, still to this day, is Pee-wee's Big Adventure. There's a great scene in it. He wakes up to someone stolen his bike. It's about a movie about a kid wanting to get his bike back. Or is, is he a kid? Uh, no. But it kind of comes across that way. He's probably super creepy to th- even for people to think about. But um, there's a line at the end of the movie, and he's in a hotel. And uh, he has to try to like make a distraction so he can get out of a situation. So he tells the waiter to go page P.W. Herman. So the oh, here's Paging P.W. Herman. Paging P.W. Herman. And he's like, oh, I gotta go. <laughs> oh, good God. Okay, so the modern family is changing, and I think that's going to change the way we look at real estate. The way we look at retirement is changing. I think a lot of people are going to run out of money in retirement, and they're going to find out that Social Security is not enough. But your parents, had a, they had a lovely pension because they had government jobs, and you tie that into with their savings. They didn't have to save as much. You and I ain't going to have a lovely pension, so we have to save a lot more. Um, and for someone who's just getting by and they're spending every paycheck, if you're 40 years old and you haven't saved any money yet for retirement, you're going to work till the day you die. So you recently bought a, a another piece of property, so you have two pieces of property. Um, and you keep your cash flow as positive as possible, and you try to set up for an emergency, but you're not emergency-proof. I asked you that a couple weeks ago. I said, if your renter bails on you, or you can't get it rented for a year, would it be a problem? You're like, oh, yeah, it'd be a problem. So um, anyway, just throwing that out there. You know the owner of In-N-Out Burger is worth billions and billions and billions of dollars? So she's 35. Mm. <laughs> you knew I was going to sell you on that one. She's 35. So that's all I got. Um, unfortunately, no. So it's one billionaire I would pass on. So it looks like she was born on a ugly tree and she fell off of it and she hit every branch on the way down. Um, anyway, moving to yep. this. Yep. Uh, the cost of living is something everyone needs to consider. That's an odd concept, right? Well, it's not as odd as you think. Um, I could tell you that I know many spouses of of people in the Bay Area that the spouse has no idea about money, um, no idea about budget, I hear no all, idea about mortgages. I hear it all the time on my end of the mortgage side, or what, the real estate side. What do you hear? Well, just people talking about budgets. I, I actually get people sending me their budgets. Um, and I think it's great that, that we have the, that kind of buyer and those, those kind of owners that pay attention to it. Okay. I mean, they'll send me, what, what is it, Mint, and they'll put spreadsheets together. And they'll do everything. If anyone needs a budgeting spreadsheet, drop me a name, of Rob at robblackshow.com. It's Rob at robblackshow.com, and I'll send you a, a budgeting spreadsheet. But it's pretty easy to start, right? You have home ownership costs. You have transportation costs. You have taxes, child care, furnishings, uh, entertainment. Uh, how much income you have coming in. It's pretty easy to put stuff together, but you know what you never, you know what you never put in emergencies. Yeah. So, uh, well, and, uh, we see it all the time in real estate transactions where people buy a house and they forget that they have a lot of other expenses. And, and one thing that our guidelines don't 
consider is that you can have a lot of other debt that's actually not considered into their debt ratios that they use to qualify you. So you have to really pay attention. For example, my my brother, he has four kids, you know, six people in the family. His insurance is he's paying, what, $1,500 a month in health insurance. He's paying $1,500 in car payments, and he's got, you know, $1,000 a month in auto insurance. And, and that adds up, but that's not part of his debt ratio. So if you're going to buy a house and you have this other debt that you that doesn't show up on your credit that the lender uses to qualify you, you, you may not just be spending 38% of your your income. You're spending something like 60% of your income, and it, it squeezes you a little bit more. So we see that all the time, and that's why we always end up with somebody that's uh, showing us a budget, We do, and we do talk about that all the time. You know, one area that I know we have a lot of listeners who want to be homeowners, and we, if, if you're listening right now, you're probably in the Bay Area or you're on the Internet or you're getting it from the live stream or you're getting it from the app, which people could find at Apple iTunes and recommend it to friends and families and get this word out there a little bit better for me. Um, I forget to plug myself at times. But one area you could always do, and I told this to a cop in Oakland a couple of years ago, I said, you don't have to buy a home in Oakland. If I were you, I'd, 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 I'd rent and I would buy somewhere else. So he rents in Oakland and he bought in Tampa. And his idea is, I'm going to retire in Tampa. So he's already figured out the state that he wants to live in. He's already figured out. like So he's buying a home that he's going to live in in 20 years. And even if he doesn't buy in Tampa, somebody else is paying down his mortgage. He's building a little bit of equity. And he's in real estate. And he's getting his money work. His money is working for him. Uh, and he bought a place where he can afford. This is a strategy we talk about. Uh, people, people all the, all the time, they have 50,000, maybe they don't have enough down payment for a property here, but that down payment could equal 30, 40% somewhere else. And you can buy it as a rental property and maybe you get a little bit of cash flow, and Maybe you have somebody paying off some of that principal balance every month and you're getting a little bit of price appreciation. And you, maybe you say, okay, I get one now and I get another one in two or three years. I get another one in two or three years. And all of a sudden you have three houses that are earning uh, some money. And then you know, 10, 15 years down the road, you start thinking about a family and you go, okay, I want a 1031 exchange this into another property and maybe a better property. And so we actually do run into a lot of clients that do that kind of strategy, but they've rented the whole time because that's the only thing they can really afford. They can afford to get to accumulate a down payment, but they can't afford to actually buy where they work and live. So one concept on that, on this theme of buying somewhere else Mm -hmm. is buying in a college town. Because if you watch, like, uh, did you watch the football games last weekend? There's some big ones, Georgia, Alabama. Like, you yeah, know. some of the big ones fell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, when you see all those college kids screaming and having fun, and f- for the record, there's nothing better than seeing a team lose the big game. A college, I love the bowl games. I love watching the fans of the, the team that loses. They're all crying at the end of the game and stuff. <laughs> they're, they're like, I was having a good day. The, the look on their face is, I was having a great day until this happened. My advice to you is to start drinking heavily. Uh, yeah. So I think at an Auburn game recently, I think Auburn won or something like that, and they've got a hedge. they got bushes. Yeah, they, they ruined the field. They ruined the field. All yeah. the players, not all the players, but all the students rushed the field. <laughs> it was fantastic. If you Google this, you'll, you'll die of laughter. Let me do it real quick for you. Um, tell me if this isn't funny. Let's see if it. Uh, I'm really busy right now. Okay, this isn't good radio, but that's okay. <laughs> I'm really busy right now. Yeah, I'm really busy right now. Okay, well, okay, the images aren't coming up. Yeah, we'll probably have to look at that later. Uh, we'll look at it during the commercial break. But um, 
so as the fans were rushing the field, uh, they got stuck in the shrubs. And I th- it was just a really funny image. The next day after they were on the field, the university says, we found like 400 phones. Phones. Yeah. <laughs> right. So was it Clemson or was it Auburn? I thought Clemson won and Auburn lost. Okay. I may be wrong. It's one or the other. Anyway, you can find Tony Mendez at BayAreaLoanSource.com. That's BayAreaLoanSource.com. You can find me online at RobBlackShow.com. It's RobBlackShow.com. Talking real estate, talking investing, talking other things. Um, but yeah, I don't know if I'd want to live in a college town to sum this up. I don't know if I'd want to own in a college town. I do kind of own in a college area because doctors and uh, professors will always need places to live. And there's a lot of um, hospitals in college towns. I don't know if I'd want to rent to students. You're sounding really old today. No, the renting to students, you know, I don't know. You got to replace the carpet every every year. Yeah, darn tootin'. Yeah. I don't want to be a slumlord. Is what I'm saying. Doesn't it feel like a lot of college students live in slums? <laughs> I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Find me online at robblackshow.com. Tony Mendez at bayarelandsource.com. Don't forget, there's another hour of today's show to listen to. Find it now at kdow.biz or on the KDOW radio app. Dig this song, Arcade Fire. They have a song called Urban Sprawl or Sprawl Number Two. And it's, he does most of the singing, but she does it and she's mesmerizing when she sings. We used to see a band called Urban Blight. Speaking of Blight, um, I think that's also another trend in real estate sooner than later, where cities just take over and say, we're going to knock this building. You know, you could, you may want to live there, but we're taking it away from you and we'll relocate you. Um, my, my home city kind of did something like that, that there's a, um, Laurel street, which is really cute. It's kind of the eminent domain thing. Eminent domain. Um, and they took away stores. They took away what they realized is that as a city that they can get their tax revenues higher by basically moving five crappy stores, tearing the whole thing down and five great stores too, relocating everyone in the process. Um, I don't like it. So I don't like it because cities don't make the best deals is what I've learned is that a developer comes in there. Cities get played is what it comes down to. It could be some under the table activities as well. Who knows? So affordability, uh, you've got a young son. Uh, it's probably the biggest nightmare that I have as a father is what will my kid's future look like? Um, I've done well, I've done well. And, uh, you know, I hear people are like, oh, yeah, you got to let your kid cry. But when they get hurt, you got to let them get hurt. When they succeed, you got to let them succeed. And like, I just want to make sure that they're OK. Uh, I don't think we live in that world anymore. So I, I don't. Last thing we were talking about was college students. College debt hit one point two, one point three trillion recently. It's that's a huge amount of debt. I mean, there's a good chance that you're one or both of them will end up with some college debt, uh, 25, 30, 40,000, which a lot of people are in here going, oh, that's chump change because I've seen student debt in the hundreds of thousands. Um, what's crazy too is a lot of these people are in their 30s and they're carrying this debt. Um, you know, it's, it frightens me as well. You know, I, you, you bring up a good point. It's like, do you think my kid's ever going to buy a house here in the Bay Area? Probably not. Right. Uh, are we going to be here in 10 years? I don't know. Um, do I want to raise a child in an area where it's unrealistic for him to be able to buy here? Um, he can certainly get a job here. Um, but I want to open his eyes up to, you know, what it's like to live in a, in a smaller community where there's a little bit more breathing room. 
And I think that's important for families. And that's why you see those single family homes um, continue to rise. Uh, if I was to buy another house today, it'd be a single family house. I don't want to buy a condo. I think condos are great for when you're young or you're a young couple without a, a child. And right now there's a lot of that. And you see builders concentrating solely on multifamily properties, whether they're going to be a rental or they're going to be condos that can be sold. That's what the, 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 the builders are doing right now. It's like 60, 70% of all new homes, all new construction right now is focused on that. And it's been like that for years. We, you know, a lot of people don't remember what San Jose and, and parts of the East Bay went through one of the largest booms back in the early two, right around 2099, 2000. And it was the largest construction phase in the United States for about a five year period. And we're going through that again. And they're, they're doing things. You, you talk about urban blight where they're taking those spots and they're, you know, they're tearing down a building and putting in condos and they're doing the whole multi-use where the commercial on the bottom and condos on the top, yeah. like the Santana row type of thing. So there's, I that's think, where people I, are going. I that's want the people, demand. To, I want people to be very open-minded to trends. I was taking a skiing lesson, um, four years ago and everyone in the ski class with me spoke Chinese. My third grader said to my first grader, they're, they're both great kids and they love each other and they support each other. The third grader said, Zach, you're going to know so much Spanish when you're in third grade. And I was like, damn it. Why does he know Chinese? <laughs> like he'll, he'll be able to order a burrito, but he won't be able to get a job and, go, and fly back and forth to China. Anyhow. Right. Um, so I, I really respect the parents that look forward to the future and say, let's put my kid in Chinese mm-hmm. uh, versus those in Spanish. Cause you can order a burrito and a margarita, but my, my kid's three, far in life. My kid's three. He can say, um, a lot of the colors in Chinese Mandarin. Oh, nice. So there's some cute videos. He knows how to say, I am potty toilet and things like that. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Wells Fargo is in trouble yet again. Um, President Donald Trump rejected the notion Friday that Wells Fargo would skate on penalties associated with claims of mortgage lending abuse. Reports circulated earlier this week that Mick Mulvaney, the interim head of Consumer Financial Protection Bureau, was reviewing prior settlements the agency had made in the enforcement actions. A lot of people thought, you know, Trump was going to come in and say, hey, banks, don't worry about it. We got your back. Um, amongst them was a payout in tens of millions of dollars regarding a practice in which Wells Fargo was charging borrowers fees to secure low mortgage rates. Because you'd be in jail. The practice reportedly affected more than 100,000 borrowers, and the bank has conceded that a substantial number of those customers were charged inappropriately. That's one of the things about your industry that I don't take the time to learn enough about, and it's my fault. Of, do you remember the mor- mortgage statements are intimidating? Uh, mortgage education is not growing in the United States, according to Tony. Um, he just handed me a piece of paper. What do you, what do you mean by that? Well, it, it's pretty self-explanatory. Um, there was a survey that was done saying that Americans lack the basic knowledge about getting a mortgage, and it's no wonder why... Uh, you know, a place like Wells Fargo, where they, they're highly trained in sales and, and they're going to try to make some money. Um, you know, Wells Fargo, I'm sure they've done a, a, a good, por- a very large portion of legitimate loans. But, um, you know, without that education, you, you don't know what to ex- you don't know what to expect. Twenty um, percent of borrowers think it's impossible to buy a home with down payment less than five percent. And and I mean, it goes on and on and on as far as the education is, is not getting any better as far as and, and it even goes to the point that only two percent of the people actually go to education websites to learn about mortgages. And, and then you expect to, your lender to tell you when they can try to make as much money as possible. 
it's you know you got to educate yourself got to educate yourself got to oh here's the sprawl song arcade fire i dig this song and if you listen to the words it's all about real estate this should be your song on your, key, on your radio show Thursday nights at 6 o'clock. Yeah, I got a new gig. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial. You can find Tony at BayAreaLoanSource.com. He does my mortgages. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.